Good morning. Can I just look at you a little bit for just a second? What a, what a, yeah, I agree, I agree. You have a special word. Oh, what a special day it is. We come here today to ordain Nick Spencer to the office and work of the Christian ministry. First, I want to speak to the congregation, because we, we don't do this every week. And uh, there's some things that you need to understand about what an ordination service really does, what it's for. By your presence here, in a sense, you serve as witnesses to the ceremony that you're about to see. And as such, at any time in the future, you will be able to hold our candidate accountable. And it's by design. You know, every pastor goes through this. If you're ordained by your church home or however it's done, many different traditions exist. But in the Christian church, the independent Christian church, it's a, it's a sign that as you go out to serve, that you have a lot of prayer support. You have a lot of people that are pulling for you. You have... You have a real big family of believers. In my home church, uh, we ordained a lot of men. We were a big church. We had a, had a huge congregation. And uh, I know of at least uh, 70, at least within the last year or so, there were 70 of us who were sent out, just like we're going to send Nick out, in a sense, into ministry you know, in a full-time way. And so it's, it's, it's a big deal to you and to me that we witness this. This is a responsibility that is on our shoulders to pray for him, to encourage him, to help him, watch him. All the things that are necessary, if you're going to have a family member that's going to aspire to something pretty amazing, you want to be, you're kind of, we're kind of taking, he's taking us with him in a sense on this journey. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to kick him out tomorrow and he's leaving. That doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is that we have, we're more than just observers here, spectators. That's what I want to get across. You're participants in what we're about to share with you. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 4, 3, and 4, speaking to every pastor and for every pastor, he directs the church to do this. Pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. In 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1, Paul writes, Brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may rapidly spread and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not everyone has faith. And again, the writer of the Hebrew letter Chapter 13, 18 says, pray for us that we have a clear conscience and a desire to live honorably in every way. And there's more passages I could read. Now, I don't know how often you pray for us here at the, on the staff here at the church. I don't know that. I hope that you do. I, in fact, it's kind of a, a biblical mandate that you are supposed to do that. But how often do you? We are sorely in need of your support. But along with our prayers, you should also understand here that the reason why, I guess, that we ordain pastors and elders. Technically, the term ordain never appears in the New Testament. 
However, in John 15, 16, Jesus said to his disciples, I, I choose you, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that particular word uh, is translated appointed, but it means to assign, it means to kind of put into position or into place. And in the Bible, leaders over and over through Scripture were appointed or set apart in a special way. In Acts chapter 6, seven men were set apart to serve as deacons in the church. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas were set apart or ordained as missionaries by the church at Antioch. And all, the, and all through the New Testament, although the New Testament doesn't command ordination, not even a requirement for equipping leaders, whatever, but the ceremony of setting a person apart for ministry seems to fit over and over again the New Testament pattern. Pastoral ordination symbolizes God's call to ministry. It represents Nick's commitment of himself to the ministry. And it also represents the church, us, the congregation here, that we approve of this candidate. It's an acknowledgement that God has bestowed certain gifts on an individual and has called that person to serve him in a specialized way. And because what we do here today is significant, it's kind of a sacred ceremony to, to a great degree, especially in the life of a church, the congregation needs to keep two things in mind in reference to ordination. Are you ready? First, the New Testament cautions a church not to be hasty in ordaining an individual. Isn't it interesting? The decision is to be carefully prayed over, and the candidate himself should be certain that God has called them into ministry. That's the first thing. The second thing is the church should be certain that the candidate has the qualifications to serve in the office whether it is pastor or elder or any other leader. And the candidate should have time to prove himself to be qualified in character and in gifts for such ministry. Now, having said that, you should know that in the eyes of the leadership of Maple Grove Christian Church, that from the time of, of his baptism, Nick has lived an exemplary Christian life. He's not perfect. He himself will, will say that. I know him really, really well, and I don't know if anyone has got greater character or commitment than Nick Spencer. He's shown himself to be a maturing leader in the service of Christ. He served on our staff here as youth director for the past seven years and faithfully has ministered to the teenagers, especially teenagers, because that's been the area he focused on the most. And uh, he's been so faithful to disciple so many of our young people. Even at this moment, he's working with a group of kids that are college age. And uh, some of the finest young people you will ever know are coming out of our church. And Nick's had a big hand in encouraging them on that journey. He's been gifted with knowledge of computers and technology that has brought us light years. He brought me many, many light years <laughs> forward. Because I just, uh, I just don't know how, I, I just so depend on him. In fact, he could, he could probably mess me up every Sunday morning if he really wanted to. I don't need help with that, but, but he could probably do it. But what, a, what a gift it is to be able to, to bring all of the, I mean, all these things. Nick's been behind all these, these lights and all the equipment and all the, the cameras. He has helped bring us 
uh, along with the pandemic, I'll put him in the same category there, uh, <laughs> has helped us get to the place where we are today, where we're broadcasting this service. People that are a part of our church that can't get here, or they're able to be a part of what goes on here. We have ministry everywhere. I mean, it's just amazing what's been accomplished. I cannot list the, the many times also that he's come alongside of me and assisted me personally in ministry. In addition, he's finally completed. I know he says finally. He's been looking forward to getting done with this for a while. But a pretty challenging course of study at the Moody Theological Seminary in Chicago. And he graduated this past week with a Master of Divinity degree. In short, he's responded to God's call on his life over and over and over. And his sense God's moving him in a, in a direction that is going to use all those abilities and skills, but also be specially appointed from the time that, like I said, when we baptized him here at the church, God knew that we'd be standing here today doing what we're doing. Your family may not have known that, but, but we knew. God knew. Now, the rest of what I'm going to say is going to be directed to Nick. Now, that does not mean, Jerry, that you can sleep during this portion of the, of the service. So, Sally, kind of take care of that for me. I know you've worked long and hard to get here. And uh, we have walked through that. And I, I've not done any of the heavy lifting. It's been you. I prayed for you, encouraged you. And uh, at times we've talked theology and other things that, you know, nobody else would talk to us about anyway. But um, I want to say well done. You have done an excellent job with your academics, uh, your ability to, to balance all that with not only the other things going on here, and just doing life and, and you know, doing it with a good attitude. And, and I just am so proud to be a part of this today with you. But remember now, there's a difference as you go forward. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a poet that once observed Great is the art of beginning, but greater still is the art of ending. So what we're doing here today is, in a sense, looking forward down the road to places and pathways that we've not traveled yet. You've not traveled yet. But this is the first step. This is why on this day, marking the beginning of your ministry, I want to do something unusual. I want us to consider the ending of somebody else's ministry. His name was Paul, the apostle. We read about it. You can't go through the New Testament without bumping into Paul. He is all over the place. And what you begin here this morning, I want you to consider in light of the future. I want you to look ahead. I know everybody says, well, just take one day at a time, and that's good. But I want you to understand with ministry... You have the present, you'll have the past, but there's always going to be the future. And as a wise Kentuckian once told me, if you don't know where you're going, any old road will do. Now there's great insight to be gained from Paul's farewell as he got to the end of it. He knew he was coming to the end. This is his farewell speech that was given to the elders of one particular church that he was really close to, and that was the church in the place called Ephesus. And in the book of Acts chapter 20, the Bible says this. 
verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I've lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. Although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews, you know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, he says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to go to Jerusalem not knowing what's going to happen to me there. I only know this, that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now, I know that none of you among whom I've gone preaching or about preaching the kingdom will ever see my face again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, Nick, I don't want you to miss this. To the Apostle Paul... Finishing well and having finished well was his primary concern. Where and how you begin doesn't matter nearly so much as where and how you end. And at this moment, none of us know how that will pan out. We don't know how your service to to the Lord will end. And neither do you. So what I want to do is set before you two goals today. They're really not mine. They're really, one in particular, Paul's is definitely. And the other is one that I've kind of drawn from what Paul said. These challenges are drawn from this farewell message to the elders. As as I said, one's obvious, one not so much. So my prayer is that you'll give them both serious attention. Make them your daily spiritual practices as you go forward. Let them guide you. Let them shape your decisions. Undergird your ministry. First challenge is this. Don't hold back. Twice, Paul used different words, but twice he says this about himself to the church elders at Ephesus. In Acts 20, verse 20, he said, You know that I've not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful. He's saying, I've not held back. In fact, one translation said, I've not shrink from commanding and, and, and all the things I was supposed to do. But I've, I've taught you publicly. I've taught you from house to house. A few verses later, he says again, Acts 20, verse 27, I, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Listen, as the Apostle Paul, again, using different words, he declares this very same challenge to his young disciple named Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. You correct, you rebuke, you encourage, but you do that with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. 
Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say just what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth. They will turn aside to myths. But you, you, Timothy, he says, you keep your head in all situations. You endure hardship. You do the work of the evangelist. And you discharge all the duties of your ministry. So, Nick, I would challenge you, don't hold back. Don't hesitate. Put yourself out there. And when it comes to proclaiming and living the truths of the Bible, don't hide it. Don't avoid it or withdraw. Make Christ and his redemptive love known to all that come across your path. And don't hold back. Speak to the people of God what their needs and concerns and hopes of the world. You need to talk about that. Don't hold back. Call us to task. You know, challenge us. Hold us accountable. Whether from the pulpit or in private conversation. Like Paul. You do what is beneficial and you declare the whole counsel of God. But remember this. Even as you do that. It's not about you. You're simply a messenger. You're a witness. Someone, well, a voice, crying out sometimes in the wilderness. And you point people to God. You reveal the truth and will for their lives that comes from Scripture. Make sure that you live out God's whole purpose in front of them, too, as you do that. Now, nobody, no, no human being can tell you at this point in time what's going to happen going forward. We have ideas, and maybe you have some thoughts, but we don't know that. And that's between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I can tell you this. What happens in the future is more than the ordination certificate that you're going to receive today that hangs, that's going to hang on the wall of your office. My mandate is much bigger than the one hanging on my wall to this day. Do not hold back from the purpose in your own life and the lives of those that have entrusted you. That's challenge number one, not to hold back. But the second challenge Paul lays out is, is different, and, and the Bible tells us in verse 38, and I've drawn my, this second point just from this verse. He said what grieved them most, these are the Ephesian elders, was his statement that they would never see his face again. Now, Paul said this knowing he was near the end of his ministry, and uh, he had no idea what was going to happen, but he knew that he would not be back to see those people. But I want to challenge you at the beginning of your ministry, and it's going to sound funny, don't ever let us see your face again. Now, you hear that little chuckle? They don't know what I'm really saying to you, do they? In other words, you've got to get out of the way sometimes. You've got to be transparent. When we look at you, don't show us Nick anymore. You need to show us Jesus. Your face is great, but Jesus is better. Amen. And when we listen to you preach and teach, let us hear his voice. Let us hear his words. Not just yours. And we know that's what the Apostle Paul did. Galatians 2.20 tells us, he said, It's no longer Paul who lives, but Christ Jesus who lives 
within me. Now let me expand on this. Like every witness who stands up and speaks on behalf of Jesus, perhaps for everybody, anybody who's been called to serve Christ in any way, there are going to be times for a variety of reasons and almost all of them are self-centered. You're going to find yourself wanting to be seen, wanting to be noticed, wanting to be recognized, wanting to be reassured. You will want people to speak well of you in your ministry, even though the Bible says in Luke 6, 26, beware of all men who speak well of you. In other words, there's going to be times when Satan will tempt you to show us your face and not Jesus. And when this happens, I urge you to stop right then and there and remember this calling for which we are setting you apart today to fulfill. You're going to be making vows in a moment to a loyalty outside of yourself. You're going to be committing yourself to a vision beyond your own. Which is why I urge you to let us never see your face again. There'll be times when people will say how well you're doing and how much they like you and what a difference you're making. And I encourage you, you be gracious as you can, be appreciative, but don't pay a whole lot of attention to that. There are going to be times when people will be angry and upset and disappointed. You're going to let people down sooner or later. Some may not even like you very much, but don't listen to that either. Don't allow your anger to rise. I encourage you to not invest yourself in either of those responses. Because if you do, you'll only end up showing us your face and not the face of Christ. Always remember what John the Baptist confessed about Jesus way back in John 3.30. Everybody was going after Jesus and John said this. He must grow. He must be greater. I must become less. You see, a pastor must decrease and Jesus must increase. And that's why, you know, we're using the phrase, but that's why we say we'd much rather not see your face in the future. I know you know what that means. We talked about this a little bit. But can you hear the tension between these two things? I mean, there's a paradox here. There's two challenges. On the one hand, a pastor is, is, is not to hold back, not to hesitate. But on the other hand, you're to be out there but not draw attention to yourself. doesn't seem like you could do those at the same time very easily. And that's the tension into which you're stepping this morning. It's called ministry. It's a paradox into which you're going to be called as a pastor to embrace it. It's not one or the other. You've got to handle them both at the same time. The tension will tug and pull at you, and it may sometimes feel like you're just tired of it and you're being pulled in all directions. But be encouraged, because it's that very same tension that the Holy Spirit of God will use to hold you together as you minister to the Lord's church. Yes, there'll be times and days when you get a little disillusioned. Disappointed by people sometimes. Or you'll disagree with colleagues, that, that happens too. But you've got to hold that tension. Faithfully stand firm, even though it's a paradox. There'll be days when you feel hurt. 
There'll be days you're overwhelmed almost with all the responsibility. There'll be days when you're no longer 100% sure maybe what you think or believe or, or why you're doing what you're doing sometimes. But you've got to hold that tension. You've got to stand firm even though you're in the paradox. There's also going to be days when you recognize and know yourself in new and deep ways. And there'll be days when everything seems to just fit just right. And you know beyond a doubt who you are and who God and what God has called you to do. And you've got to hold that tension. And on those days, and they're not, they don't come around very often, but on those days when it's like you feel like you could reach out and touch the very hem of Jesus' garment. And you're right there. And you weep with joy and you, and you live with gratitude Regardless of what happens, how you feel it, what the day brings, don't hold back and don't let anybody see your face, only the face of Christ. Every time you hold this tension, here's what's happening according to the scripture. Paul said in, in Acts 20, 22, it's being compelled by the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this true? Because, Nick, when we are compelled and held captive by the Holy Spirit, then we're no longer held captive by ourselves, our old little sinful nature that we're stuck with until we enter glory. We're no longer slaves to our successes. If you do well, that's great, but you're not a slave to that. You're no longer a slave to your failure. If you mess up, then you don't mope and fuss about it forever. You're not, even things done or things left undone, that doesn't, that doesn't strangle you anymore. And you find yourselves more and more and more Clothed with power from above, as Luke 24 speaks in verse 49. Now, what might that look like in the years ahead? Well, only the Lord Jesus Christ knows that. We don't know that. We don't know the future. And there's no trick or method to doing this. You know why? Because it's not something you do by yourself. You're not alone. It's a way of being, and it's something that occurs day by day by day as you find yourself walking in faithfully in the way of the Lord. And when you do that, eventually, you know what happens? His ways will become your ways. And then it won't have to be a decision you make. You will just freely show the face of Christ everywhere you go. Now, for the benefit of the congregation listening to me, Nick's now going to make some promises. And again, your witnesses to these promises. They're called vows. You, you see them in weddings, though no, uh, that's not what we're here for today. Isn't that right, Nick? Yeah. There may be a day. But God, I need to ask you these questions. And I'd like to ask you to stand as I do this as well. Will you covenant to keep watch over your life and seek to live in a manner pleasing to God and worthy of his calling? Will you covenant to watch over and pray for the flock of God that God entrusts into your care as somebody who knows he must give an account? Will you covenant to love, guide, and care for God's people and not by constraint, but from a willing spirit, not, vote, not motivated by personal gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over them, but rather being an example to the flock. Will you covenant to set an example for other believers in your speech, 
life, love, faith, and purity. Will you covenant to study the word that you may teach what it is, what's in it according with sound doctrine and handle God's word correctly for the, to the best of your ability to do so? Will you covenant to preach God's word and be prepared in season, out of season, to correct, to rebuke, as the Bible says, and to encourage? And you do that with patience and careful instruction. Will you covenant to proclaim the whole counsel of God from the scriptures without fear or hesitation? And lastly, will you covenant to discharge faithfully all the duties of your ministry in a manner that is honorable to both God and man? I know you will. So what happens now, Nick, is you're going to come to the front here and turn around and just drop down on one knee if you wish. Um, and we're going to have the elders come up behind you, the elders of the church, as they are also aware that they're participating today, wherever they are. Somebody help Jerry. Oh, he's already up. Okay. Now I want you to just kind of rotate, and then I'm going to back up even a little bit more here. You, you need to go forward just a little bit, and then we're going to let these guys slide right in behind you as you kneel. They're going to put their hands on your shoulders. And uh, Tom is going to, uh, to pray a prayer of commitment and ordination. Father, we just thank you for Nick and his decision to become a minister of the gospel. And we just uh, thank you for setting him apart for that purpose. And now, Father, uh, we send him forth uh, as such, a minister of your gospel. And we just pray, Father, that you will strengthen him and watch over him, that you will help him to depend upon uh, your wisdom and your spirit to guide him. We just pray that uh, you will keep him in the word, keep him in prayer, and just bless him in all that he does as he goes forward in this new journey. Mm -hmm. And Father, we ask your protection on him, for we know that Satan will be attacking, and we just pray that you'll protect him from those attacks. And us as a congregation, Father, help us to support Nick in prayer and just watch over him and pray for his ministry and for his life. Mm. We ask all of this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, Nick, you get to stand one more time. And I've got just one or two more words. These guys are going to stand here with you. As a pastor of my home church said to me when I was ordained, I also say to you, let us preach the gospel, Nick. Always preach it. Lift it high every time you teach it. But, but hold it low so everyone can reach it. But whatever you do, you preach the gospel, Nick. Preach it. And now it's with great joy that the leadership of this church and I as pastor present to you Pastor Nick Spencer. And you don't have to say anything. Well done is what we're looking for one day. But not well done in the moment. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And I know you will. God bless you, brother.
you'll have an opportunity to encourage Nick. He's going to be in the foyer as uh, you go by. And uh, we are dismissing our service at this time. Are you going to sing some more? Let's have another song then.